what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. extra weary after the election week uh regardless of your politics uh, it's been exhausting so um i'm uh your co-host mj smith for this hour of distraction and i'm joined by um by the uh, argumentos i nope that didn't work out i'm ryan buell and i'm tired <laughs> damo arigato mr armagato's <laughs> Yeah, that was a hit single from the 70s. It didn't work out. They replaced it with something else. I don't know what. All right. Uh, it's going to be one of those episodes, guys. So strap in. Um, <clears throat> so this is the Before and After Show. It's a show where we acknowledge our inherent biases and baggages that we come in to a film with. And uh, we do one episode before we see the movie and one episode after we see the movie. And this is after Doctor Strange, so if you go back and listen to before Doctor Strange, it's us having not seen the movie, talking about what we think uh, we'll get out of the movie. And in this one, we're talking about what we got out of the movie. We do, uh, we do do, <laughs> we do do full spoilers on the after episodes. So if you haven't seen the movie, consider this fair warning. And warning. before we get into it, we talk about what we've been watching this week. So Ryan, what have you been watching? <sighs> I, I, I've been indulging in a very guilty pleasure of mine, which is sitcoms on Netflix. Okay. And lately, my what I've been going through is Frasier. Oh, man. I love <laughs> Frasier. I love <laughs> Frasier so much. And I'm on season... Oh, what season am I on? I'm going through season six right now. Oh, wow. And uh, it's just a fun show to watch. It's It's, so it's interesting. The character of Frasier is just so depressing. Um... But I think that's the appeal of him, is you can watch somebody else have a horrible day, and you can just laugh at them and forget your troubles. I think that's the appeal. Yeah. Um, some of the plots are recycled a lot, um, but it's just fun to watch. Kind of watch it turn your brain off a little bit. And, uh, yeah, but I haven't really watched any movies in the last couple of weeks, mm. uh, minus Doctor Strange. So. Yeah. I watched Dana Carvey's new stand-up special on Netflix. Ooh, is that any good? Uh, it's pretty great, man. It's pretty great. It's it pretty looks, great. I like Dana Carvey. I love Dana Carvey. Uh, he's one of my all-time top five favorite SNL. Uh, SNL people ever. He's great. I love Wayne's World. I love Church Lady. I love. I, I think his first stand-up special is hilarious. I thought this one was uh, really funny. Um, I thought the last ten minutes were some of the funniest stand-up I've seen in a long time. Yeah uh it's just it's like lightning round impressions with that guy at the end and it's great um he does a bit about uh, taking an irish airline that's hilarious um the way he describes he comes out and does like trump and clinton he does like a bunch of political uh impressions but then he like describes how he does those impressions and the descriptions of how he gets to those places is great mm. uh specifically with trump and uh george w bush just the way he like talks about how he embodies those characters is so funny and mm. 
so he describes how he does it and then does the impression and you can totally see where he got the inspiration from and it's great nice. um yeah it's really funny and uh let's see what else oh i watched jacob's ladder mm. which is a 1990 movie with a horror movie or yeah i guess that's the closest thing you could call it okay it it i guess it is um it's about it stars tim robbins and he plays a man who is involved in a really uh strange and brutal attack in the vietnam war Mm mm-hmm and it kind of follows him after that attack happens and he's back home he's back overseas or he's back he's back from vietnam he's living a normal life as a postal worker and um just some weird stuff starts happening to him and he has some sneaking suspicions that it might have to do with what happened in vietnam and so it's kind of him trying to get to the bottom of it um but also everyone's kind of in on it uh okay yeah and so it's it's this real like mystery psychological thriller but there's like some horror elements in it because it's very surreal and these weird that he sees these demons and creatures and stuff that are following him and he's not sure who to trust um and you know he's got a couple allies but the movie kind of plays with uh, you never know if they're gonna turn it's really interesting it's super surreal and a little disjointed Mm. um but you find out at the end of that it was supposed to be and that's my favorite kind of surreal is like if you sum it up at the end then i like it uh if you're like deal with this i think you failed as a filmmaker and it's lazy filmmaking Mm. and so i think that the way the movie sums up you're like okay now i understand everything that came before it it does take until the closing seconds of the movie to To get what's going on yeah but the good news is it's such a simple explanation that they can sum it up in a couple seconds and it makes it justifies the rest of it so Mm. i liked it uh it's a little too long it's real slow it's kind of a slow burn but it's come on come on we're getting there we're getting there yeah um and then oh we haven't recorded we the last one we recorded was before spooky times night right oh, it was yeah, before, before halloween, halloween so yeah. on halloween i saw uh rosemary's baby for the first time and had a panic attack um why is that i there was something about that movie man there was something about that movie that just really caught me off guard i don't know what if it was the expectations thing where it completely just circumvented everything i thought that movie was about it's not particularly graphic or crazy like i mean it's crazy but it's not like it's not really booga booga times like it's it's but the subject matter is creepy enough just the way it's executed is really creepy Mm. um I just got really stressed out during that movie because she's so alone and every time she tries to turn to someone, it, they're in on it. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's two hours and 15 minutes of that. And so yeah. it, it just broke me. Like, I, I was getting in a bad mood. I was like, this is weird because like, we watch a lot of horror movies. Horror movies don't do this to me. But there was something about that. I don't know if it's because we did watch it on Halloween I, mm. like there was something that made me really uncomfortable yeah. about that movie which i mean means it did its job it's i mean 
a 48 year old movie at this point and it's still probably just as unsettling as it is uh as it was when it came out in 1968 yeah i think part of it is with the history surrounding roman polanski as a filmmaker not as a filmmaker um with the history surrounding roman polanski's personal life it makes a lot of that stuff kind of weird in that uh you know the movie is about a woman who is uh impregnated with the devil's child Mm -hmm. and uh spoiler alert she's not uh she doesn't do that by choice um it is yeah yeah i I know we're avoiding that yeah yeah yeah. oh okay yeah uh so the thing is polanski later in his life arrested uh for rape and fled the country and is not allowed back in the united states every movie he's made since then has been made outside of the united states um but also the movie is about this woman who is uh impregnated by uh the devil and the way she the way that comes to be is because a cult who worships satan summons him to come and impregnate this woman and a year after this movie came out roman polanski's pregnant wife sharon tate was murdered at the hands of the manson cult the charles manson cult so i think that history behind it just kind of yeah it's but the history of polanski's life but all of this predates it and it's this weirdly prophetic yeah i mean not, I, it isn't it isn't obviously yeah. uh sharon tate i don't think was impregnated with the devil's offspring <laughs> um <laughs> well, i don't know who's her who was her lineage uh yeah i don't know <laughs> i i guess i don't know um but just those like the two major thematic elements of probably his most famous movie i guess the pianist may, might be uh, another really famous movie of his but uh, probably his most enduring movie sh- showed up in you know minor ways or major ways in his life and so that like i think that had a lot to do with it as well just like ah why, like, this came true kind of it's enough it bumped close enough against reality for me to be really like creeped out by it yeah um mm. especially because he's the guy who made it like that's yeah. so and I, I know it's based off of a book so he didn't like come up with the idea for it yeah but and, still yeah um I haven't even seen the movie, and I feel unsettled. Yeah, and also, they go out of their way to make you feel really unsettled from the beginning. Um, There's this really, like, creepy, discordant melody that plays over the beginning that I was like, Whoa! What is this? Like, I'm immediately uncomfortable! Mm. Also, there's, uh... So, when it was happening, I thought it was a child singing, and, uh... Kids singing are kind of (laughs) creepy. Um... It turned out not to be a child singing. It was Mia Farrow, the main woman from the movie. It was her singing, and I thought it was a kid the whole time. Oh, guy. Yep. Uh, John Cassavetes plays her husband, and he's really good in it. And you hate him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's an impeccably well made movie. I think based on because if it was poorly done i probably wouldn't have cared either way um but it just like it drew me in and just kind of creeped me out and i liked it uh Mm. i guess (laughs) um and uh, i think that's it in the last couple weeks uh it's been kind of busy so yeah um 
we're going to transition into a brand spanking new segment. So a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that uh, Ryan had affected the podcast uh, in certain ways. And that way is he decided, he came to me with the idea of doing top 10 lists every now and again. And I thought that was a great idea. And usually in the after segments, because in the before in the before episodes, we do a, a segment called the Before and After Show Film School uh, with myself and former co-host Corey Tyndall uh, talking about either an element of filmmaking or an element of film history. And we kind of want to keep that little extra bit in between. Um, but the, the before shows are home to the Before and After Show School. It's too much work to do it every episode. So um, we've usually been filling the gap with news stories, uh, but the last couple weeks of editing, I've cut those news stories out because they're not particularly interesting to listen to us talk to talk about. Uh, <laughs> um, and so in an effort to improve, uh, we have chopped the top 10 list idea down to a top five list. Mm-hmm. And so presumably uh, every after episode from this uh, episode forward, we'll be doing a different um, top five list. It may or may not be thematically connected to the episode. This episode it happens to be because we decided on this immediately before we started recording. <laughs> and so we're going to do our top five uh, favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Mm-hmm. and Excluding but... X-Men and... Uh... <laughs> yeah amazon oh, x-men and, and amazon and amazon prime amazon prime uh, amazing spider-man yeah fantastic four uh only properties that are owned by marvel studios slash disney yes so the marvel cinematic universe yes so those are the movies we're gonna be doing um these are our top five i guess we'll do i guess we could trade off maybe yeah, uh, my five your, your five my five um yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. One. yeah yeah uh so ryan you want to kick it off what's your yes, number five uh, uh, and this is order from i, I don't want to say least favorite yeah because they're all probably w- ones the, we, re- we ones we like to ones we like absolutely adore yeah like, yeah exactly we'll put it like that so uh my number five uh it's a bit of a shocker for me but my number five is uh ant-man oh yeah i really liked that i loved uh paul rudd in it i thought it was a um especially after it came out like right after age of ultron no yeah yeah right after age of ultron Mm -hmm. and i just liked that it was a different tone it was a solo movie it was a heist movie it was more of a comedy but a comedy that actually worked i feel Mm -hmm. uh the humor worked for me and i enjoyed the character and i thought it was well done and uh, father-daughter thing which you know me i I dig familia yeah kind of stuff and so my i really like that movie and I mean, the villain, like most Marvel villains, is kind of throwaway. Mm-hmm. But it was just it was just a fun movie to watch. So that'd yeah. be my number five. Uh, I mean, if I'm being honest, it's tied for me. Mm-hmm. I chose maybe a more controversial pick for my number five, which we'll get to in a second. But I'm right there with you. Like, as I was making my list right now, I was debating whether or not Ant-Man would be my number five mm-hmm. or this the one that I eventually did pick. Yeah. Um, so my number five is actually Iron Man 3. Dude, that was my original number five, <laughs> <laughs> and then I switched it because I liked Ant-Man a bit more. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, I think they're pretty interchangeable for me. I really like Iron Man 3. I know it's got a lot of disparagers. People were pissed off about what they did with the Mandarin. Yeah. I thought that was really clever. I think that comic mythology is something that should not be so precious. It should be malle- malleable. Mm-hmm. Changeable, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, look at how many freaking iterations of Batman we have. No one's complaining about that. Yeah. Um, and so we tried to do, they tried to do it with Iron Man and everyone got furious for some reason. Yeah. I thought it was cool. 
Um, I love Shane Black movies. That has a lot gonna, to do with it. I was going to I was going to say if if you love Shane Black, yeah. you love Iron Man 3 because it's it's a Shane Black <laughs> yeah, movie. It's exactly. Got his signature on it. Yeah, definitely. Um the 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 Stark Rhodey buddy cop thing mm-hmm. works perfectly for me. I think it has one of the best Iron Man action scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, a couple of the best Iron Man se- action sequences I've ever seen, but the one specifically is the one where he's got like one leg of armor and one arm of armor yeah, on, and yeah, he's yeah. like fighting those dudes in the prison. I thought that was so sweet. You know what, dude? I don't even like these. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like that movie a lot. Yeah. Um, so that's my number five is Iron Man 3. Uh, classic. Ryan, hit us with your number four. My number four. Uh, this is one, I might be alone on this, but it's one of my favorites, and that is The Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... Um, Edward Norton? Edward Norton version, not the Ang Lee terrible crap movie that yeah. came out before that you mean sam raimi yeah sam raimi yeah didn't he direct that i thought emphatically that's what happened uh (laughs) no i uh yeah i love the incredible hulk i remember seeing it in theaters like two or three times i love the tone of the movie um because with that one they made um bruce banner turning into the hulk an event like they made that something special like it wasn't just like oh he's a hulk oh he's a hulk you know Mm -hmm. It was something that was a build-up to it, and I like the representation of the Hulk in it, and that he's really a tortured soul. Yeah. And they really got that, like, there's some parts in that movie that really moved me, like the scene on the campus where the military's showing up, and everything's blowing up, and the Hulk slash Bruce saves uh, Betty. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that whole scene, like, there's a lot of pathos for, to, for me in that scene. And just this tortured guy, even though he's a monster, he still is doing good. Like, there's still something of Banner in him. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a really good job with that. And I think it's a it's a fun story. There's, you know, him versus the Abomination, which is one of the first movies to give us, like, the bad guy, the, the big bad and the good guy. Find, you know, the guy yeah. that, the, what I'm trying to say is, the guy that the good guy's known for fighting, mm. you get that in this. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah. don't always get that in a lot of the Marvel movies. Um, and so Incredible Hulk is hands down one of my, my top five, my, yeah. my number four. I agree. It's probably an honorable mention, like maybe number six on mine. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that movie. I think it's really smartly plotted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Edward Norton's great as Bruce Banner. Um, yeah. He's maybe not quite as good as Mark Ruffalo, who just like embodied, was like, I'm Bruce Banner now. Yeah. Um, but I also really like the Hulk. I think he's one of the most fascinating characters in all of Marvel Comics. Yeah. Um, just that duality, that kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. It's something that I really, um, not identify with, but it's something that I find really is interesting and really yeah. fascinating. And I think that movie, um, maybe more than any other on-screen version of the Hulk, nailed that yeah. aspect of it. And so I think, like you said, the pathos of it is really, really good. Yeah, um, Yeah, that's a solid movie. Yeah. Uh, my number four... My number four is my number four is Iron Man one. Ooh, a classic! Yeah, yeah the original, the one yep. that started it all off. Yeah, there's probably two on here at the very least that are on there, both because I really like the movie, but also I think it's impossible to ignore the effect they've had. Mm. Um, and this is the first of those. So, Iron Man, you know, he's not quite an a-list comic but not quite a z-list comic book character either um Mm -hmm. he was kind of maybe somewhere between b and c um and they you know marvel had sold off all their other properties at this point uh fox had you know x-men and fantastic four sony has spider-man um i think for a period of time fox also had hulk 
um, yeah, and Hulk, Ghost Daredevil, Rider, Punisher. Yeah, they sold off a lot of the, their their yeah. big titles. Yeah. So, as comic book movies, specifically the X Men and Spider Man movies, began to take off, it became much more viable option for Marvel to start making their own movies. And uh, they went to make them, and they were like, we don't have any characters! Uh, okay, let's dig a little bit into our back catalog. And they announced uh, Iron Man would be a movie that they would be making, and Ant-Man. They announced Ant-Man the same time they announced Iron Man. They did? Mm-hmm. It took them that long to make Ant-Man? Yeah, because uh, at the time they announced Edgar Wright as the director of Ant-Man. And it kind of got batted around, and Edgar Wright eventually ended up leaving. Yeah. Um, and then they brought in Peyton Reed to, to do Ant-Man. So, um, yeah, it, it, but Iron Man got fast-tracked. It got made by Jon Favreau, um, who's since become one of the best blockbuster directors out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. It serves as the introduction to the MCU. If this movie didn't work, nothing else would have followed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works, man. I think the movie's really well paced. I think Robert Downey Jr. is perfect in the movie. Um, it does have the, you know, it is indicative of the rest of Marvel's villain problem. Um, yeah. Yeah. you know, the, but I think the pacing of the movie is really good. I think the movie holds up as far as action goes. There's some really smart, really fun action sequences. It's really easy to watch. The characters are really easy to get behind and root for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a really, really well-made blockbuster movie yeah. that paved the way for one of the most historic things to ever happen in all of cinema. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a milestone for the yeah. Marvel universe and set ever, setting everything up. Yep. Um, or three. Yep. Trace. Uh, my number three uh, is uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. Okay, that one's up there for me, mainly because he's one of my favorite Marvel characters. He's one of my top three favorite, and uh, and that movie it's it's on this list because Chris Evans and uh, who's the director of First Avenger? Joe John, Johnson. Joe Johnson. They nailed the character. Mm. They got the character. I mean, that movie's got pacing issues. It's got other problems yeah. with it. But they got the character of Steve Rogers, Captain America, down. And for me, that sold the movie. That's I love watching that movie. I watch it, you know, once a week. It's it's one of my favorites. And it's a kind of a period piece, so it's mm-hmm. kinda of nice. But they they got Captain America down. Like they got the core of who he is in on film. Um and it was a fun movie. I mean, uh, Hugo Weaven was alright in it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was I mean, I've, I've read articles. He kind of didn't care for the performance. Yeah. He was kind of like, ah, okay. <laughs> just didn't really care for it. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of my favorites just because of the way they characterize Captain America. And also, that was a prelude to Avengers, mm-hmm. which uh, ties perfectly in with the comic books because the comic books came out a long time ago. They went four issues without Cap. And then I believe it was the fifth, fifth issue, Captain America was reintroduced into the Marvel uh, comic book universe and then sales went up so apropos that the prelude to the mm-hmm. very first cinematic avengers movie would be captain america and i love the symmetry that they yeah they threw together with that so yeah for sure that's my number three uh my number three is captain america civil war ah yep uh the one of well not the most recent at this point but one of the more recent uh additions to the mcu Great, great, great blockbuster filmmaking mm. all the way around. Um, such 
once again, it's tightly paced, really great action sequences, really good character moments, a kind of a culmination of everything that had led up to it. Um, you know, it's it's a movie that doesn't suffer fools gladly, uh, so you're mm. going to get way more out of it if you've been keeping up with these MCU movies. And I appreciate that. Um, you know, and it doesn't do like a previously on the MCU catch up like it. And it expects you to know where they're headed, know where they've been, know where they're going. And I think that frees up time to really spend in the story they're trying to tell. Yeah. Um, I think it introduces one of the best Marvel villains that they have. I really, really love Baron Zemo. Baron I know Zemo. people have problems with him, but I don't understand that at all. I think he's got so much to explore and I'm looking forward to seeing him. And that also introduced my favorite uh, MCU <laughs> character, Black Panther, uh, played by Chadwick Boseman, who owns bones in this role. He's mm-hmm. so good. He's so good in this movie. And, you know, the setup to his movie, I'm just super stoked for. It also has a lot to do with the guy who made my favorite movie of 2015, is directing his the Black Panther movie. Um I think it's really got some I think it's got the probably the best performances by everyone but especially chris evans and robert downey jr i think robert downey jr is like incredible in this movie he really sells it um the reason it's not higher is it's a little long um i don't know what you would cut out but it's it's a little long um Mm. it's just over two and a half hours i think which is that's pushing it for me sometimes (laughs) um and also the big giant annoying text when they travel to a new location yeah it, i liked it and then they started traveling all over the world really quickly mm-hmm. and they it was too much i know that seems like a nitpick but <laughs> there was just something about that text that really graded me after a certain point in the movie mm-hmm. um yeah so number three is captain america civil war number three uh all right uh number two there's gonna be a theme you're gonna be noticing here my number two is captain america winter soldier okay um that movie when it originally came out was my number one like favorite you know movie Mm -hmm. of the cinematic marvel cinematic universe um that movie brought such a low key to the characters like the interactions between them it felt very organic like it didn't feel like a superhero movie yeah it felt like this is just a good story. These are characters are interesting. Like uh, my one of my favorite scenes, the elevator scene between Chris Evans and Samuel Jackson, and Samuel Jackson oh, talking man. about his granddaddy, you know, going down the streets, you know, carrying a bag, but he had a gun. Like it just was so natural, it, mm-hmm. and it was interesting to watch because it it's conveying a comfortability, but it also conveyed they're telling something important here yeah. about national security and worries and what what measures you're going to go to to safeguard humanity um and i love the story that's going on in it like i love that that whole the winter soldier comic that it's based off Mm -hmm. of that's one of the first ones i've ever read um by um ed brubaker he wrote that whole uh civil uh uh, the whole winter Winter soldier Soldier. storyline bringing bucky barnes back and making him a villain but you know a tortured person who's brainwashed you know all that Mm -hmm. stuff i love that and i love how i love how it ended you know, oh, I'm yeah. with you to the end of the line. I mean, that that gave that gave me the feels. Yeah. I mean, I just love that storyline about brothers. You know, Cap kind of just searching them out. Um, and so yeah, Winter Soldiers. It's a it's a simple but just really good storyline. Yep. And uh, that's that's the, that's that's my number two. Uh, my number two, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, my number two is 
The Avengers. Classic. I love that movie so much. I think it's really easy to watch. Um, I think the sheer fact that it exists makes it a top five. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because it's so unprecedented i think it for better or for worse affected the industry in ways that we can't see yet and we talked about that a little bit last week i think um and also it's really entertaining it's a really easy movie to watch like i said joss whedon handles it very well Uh, i'm not his giganticest fan Mm -hmm. um and i really liked it still Uh, i think loki's a great villain i think hiddleston is great in the part um i think it was really smart to not necessarily introduce a big new villain but bring one back um that we had seen before i think seeing all these people team up is really great i think the there's some great action uh, action scenes the hulk versus thor fight is really good um the whole last action sequence is great uh hulk you know smashing loki around is really good Mm -hmm. that moment when he turns into hulk you know that's the secret i'm always angry i think he's a really good character moment i remember cheering in the theater yeah yeah it's a really 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 good character moment and i think i think it's just a piece of history now immediately just because it came out yeah that that one for me would be an honorable mention i i love the movie and i think it's definitely top 10 worthy mm. um and i like joss whedon but sometimes his humor just it's just like oh that's just joss whedon mm-hmm. talking that's not the character talking yeah. you know what i mean like yeah the the cardinal sin for me was uh the scene where they're all in the hell helicarrier and thor just got there and they're talking about loki and he's just like be careful how you speak about my brother and widow black widow's like he's killed 40 people he's adopted you know, just yeah. the the flippancy. It's like yeah, that's or not like true to what the character's been like before. Yeah, or the like that guy's playing Galaga, and it's yeah. like what? Like that just you wasted a couple seconds. Like I know it's a couple seconds, but you still wasted yeah. it. I'm like, I, it's, I, inter- it's entertaining, but it's unnatural uh, too. Like it's not, it's one of those like people don't interact this way. <laughs> yeah, this is not how normal people talk. Yeah, I don't care if it's in a comic book. Uh huh. You know. Yep, I feel the same way about that guy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number one. Number one. So predictable me. My number one is Captain America: Civil War. Okay. That is my number one favorite, uh, and because it's my number one favorite for a couple of reasons. First, say all the reasons you were talking about the interaction between Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. That dynamic. I think they really captured the comic book really well, and that it was those two mm-hmm. battling over ideologies again. That worked in this movie. Did not work so much in Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, sure. Uh, but in Civil War, it works perfectly. I think all the actors brought it. I thought it was just a well-done uh, movie all around. It was fun. It was an interesting plot. It had some serious twists at the end. And it had the most, in my opinion, the most interesting villain. Yeah. That the Marvel Cinematic Universe has ever had. And that's because, you know, in the movie, you're expecting they're going to find all these super soldiers, quote-unquote, and there's going to be a brawl. And then mm-hmm. Baron Zemo is just be like, I'm taking over the world, da 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 When they twist it, he's killed all of them, and his motivation is, I just want revenge, because your actions took my family from me, and so I want to ruin you from the inside out. Yep. Um, and he did, and I yeah. love that line where they got him concealed in the in the cube or whatever, and there's like, so you failed. And he's like, did I really fail? Uh-huh. And that make you know, there's some psychological stuff they're throwing in there. And I just love that. I think that's, 
He's an amazing villain, and it's ah, it's a great story. Yeah, it's. Fun. I mean, that movie's so well made. Yeah. So well made. Uh, yeah. My so, number one, we flipped a little bit. Uh-huh. Captain America: Winter Soldier. Ah, uh, snap. Uh, I think it's the best movie that Marvel has ever made. Uh, I think it's great. I think, uh, and I'm not a huge Captain America guy either. Yeah. Uh, but I think Chris Evans is amazing in the role. I think um, Anthony Mackie is great as Falcon in it. He gets some really fun stuff to do. Yeah. Their interactions are really great. When Bucky shows up and it's kind of that friendship triangle between them, I think that's played perfectly. <laughs> between and Civil War, sorry, not to back up. Yeah. But the, between Falcon and Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. the whole like kid brothers just yeah yeah dynamic. Oh, amazing. Sorry, go ahead. And I think it's the first movie where they started to branch out a little bit as far as exploring new genres. Yeah. And I think that was hugely important for Marvel at that point because they had done all these origin stories and that's necessary, but they started to feel kind of samey. The good news is that now they've done all these origin stories, they can do whatever they want with these characters now. We don't need a setup for them again. Yeah. And, you know, I think at that point we had gotten Thor The Dark World and that was okay. Yeah. But... This movie is an action movie. It's a comic book movie. It's a Captain America movie. It's a paranoid 1970s Cold War political thriller. Mm -hmm. And they went all in on that theme. And that aesthetic, uh, you know, you've got like weird Nazi stuff that made its way to America in Mm -hmm. the, uh, the, like the computer guy. What's his Uh, name? Wow. Uh, Comic book fans don't punch me. Uh, give me a minute. I'll think about yeah. it. Not Mr. Terrific. That's DC Comics. Not Baron Zemo. It's Baron something else, I thought. No. Maybe not. I'll, I'll think about yeah. it. That's not um, good. And then you cast the granddaddy of 1970s paranoid Cold War era political thrillers in this movie. It's got Robert Redford in it. Yeah. That is giant red flag number one of like, this is the type of movie we are. And it's this really great espionage spy story about Cap figuring out who he can and who he can't trust. I love spy stuff. Dr. Arnim Zola. Yes. Yes. Uh, And so, you know, it's got that weird, like, Nazi stuff came to America thing that was so popular in the 70s because Nuremberg trials were just kind of wrapped up. And so we didn't really know. And, you know, it was it was just a really paranoid time in America because of the Cold War anyway um and so it it's this cool throwback with modern touches and i love the way they balanced it i think the tone of the movie is really great it's got one part that i really don't like and i know this sounds nitpicky but it's the the abed cameo oh yeah it really takes me out of the movie because he's so like danny pudi is so much abed especially if you know why he's in the movie because the russo brothers directed yeah. a bunch of community like, episodes hey, abed's in this movie yeah and so it's just like uh i mean i get it but uh um and i think the elevator scene the elevator action scene where cap wrecks those dudes is a fantastic action scene um i do think it gets a little maybe a little ridiculous at the end with the three helicarriers and it's like this seems like an avengers problem not just a captain america problem Yeah, where's iron man right now yeah Hmm. (laughs) um but i uh i still really 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 enjoy that movie a lot and it's Mm. it's great um and here's how you can tell it's my favorite one. I've only seen it once in the theater, and it's still my favorite. Like oh, every dang. every time I still like every time I've seen a new Marvel movie, I'm still comparing it to Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. 
Um, I think it's it's so it's such a smartly made movie. Yeah. And on top of that, I think all the characters get really good moments. I think all the characters, all the actors embody their characters really well. Um, it's just so well done. Yeah, all the way around. So that's I, I think it's close. It's, I think it's the most perfect movie they've made. Yeah. It's definitely um, up there. I'm, I'm, I want to see those guys do more. The Rousseau brothers. Yeah, I mean they're going to be doing Avengers three and four. I heard that got whittled down to just not a four, just a one. Mm-mm, not as far as I know. Oh, that's what I heard. I could be wrong. No, um, I they're changing the subtitles on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's going to have two different subtitles, but okay. Yeah, it's it's uh. It's still a two parter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think the Rousseau brothers. You know, they did a lot of Arrested Development and a lot of community. And one of the things to make shows that are that well crafted, especially something like community, is you have to really understand the building blocks of the genres you're working in because Mm -hmm. the writers of community and Dan Harmon really understood that. And so in order to translate their crazy vision because community is super weird Mm -hmm. in order to translate that correctly onto the screen you really have to understand what the uh what the machinations of your genre are yeah and i think that they cut their teeth on community and learned how to do that and they were under the tutelage of guys like dan Harmon who understand how to do that and they were working with another guy who really knows how to do that justin lynn uh, who directed the Fast and Furious movies and Star Trek Beyond, but he also directed all the paintball episodes mm. of Community. And so they got to know that guy, and that guy has like a, the best eye for action out there right now, besides maybe the John Wick guys. And so they were able to take all that experience that they learned on a freaking sitcom and trans- translate it to this paranoid like espionage spy movie. And yeah. it works so well because they just know how to boil stuff down to its essential elements and put that on the screen yeah. to convey that tone. And so it's, it's great. Um, I think on a, on a technical level, it's great on a, uh, on a, uh, uh, character level. It's great. It's just, it's so well done and it's super tightly paced as I think the pacing is a lot tighter than, uh, civil war. It's not as, uh, all over the place. Yeah. Um, not that civil war is a mess by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just a more focused story. And yeah. I think that is the big benefit of, winter soldier over civil war yeah um so yeah that's our top five yeah uh i think that was i really like that that, that was, was fun, fun. I, th- I think we're gonna keep doing that for sure uh we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back to talk about dr strange <laughs> must be french <laughs> Like I said, we're here to talk about our final thoughts on Doctor Strange. And like I also said, spoilers, 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 spoilers. So don't get <laughs> mad about spoilers if yeah. you skipped parts of the episode. Spoilers. Yeah. Uh, so Doctor Strange is uh, the latest Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. And it stars Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict uh, Cumberbatch. There we go. All week, man. That's what it's been going through <laughs> my freaking head. Uh, to the point where on my way home, I literally had to download the stupid song. <laughs> listen to it just to get it out of my system and singing it so Uh, i hope you're satisfied uh, i'm so happy (laughs) oh man uh i think i found my special purpose that's how i feel about that 
Oh, that's great. That made my night. Um, so it's got Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, uh, it's got Benedict Cumberbatch, and uh, he plays Doctor Stephen Strange, who is House, and he is a neurosurgeon who doesn't like people very much and is kind of crappy to everyone around him including his on-again, off-again girlfriend, played by Rachel McAdams, whose character name escapes me. Mm, I don't remember. Um, and he ends up getting into a car wreck and kind of ruining his hands. He causes massive nerve damage to his hands and uh, seeks all these different experimental treatments to fix them, and he can't. And so he ends up going to um, this sort of mystic place. He hears from his physical therapist... Uh, about a guy who was paralyzed and from the neck down or waist down or something, something like that. His and, back was out. Yeah, yeah. and uh, went to this mystical place and learned to walk again. And so he tracks this guy down, finds out where this mystical place is, goes and finds that, and he meets uh, a character known as the Ancient One, played by Tilda Swinton, uh, Baron Mordo, played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh benedict wong whose name escapes me i don't know wong did he play wong yeah <laughs> oddly enough yeah um and was there is that it that's all i can remember okay and they and they are like we use magic to protect the world from uh kind of evil forces that we don't even know is going on we you know it's kind of behind the scenes heroism yeah they they mention the Avengers take care of our physical threats. We take care of kind of the... The magical. Yeah, the mystical. dimensional or whatever. Yeah, the interdimensional threats. And so he um, learns how to use this uh, this ancient magics and uh, uses them to stop a guy who is trying to summon a crazy uh, underworld lord uh, from another dimension named Dormammu, uh, who is going to swallow our galaxy whole. Uh, mm-hmm. Or at the very least, our planet whole. Yeah. Um, and that guy's played by Mads Mikkelsen. And that's kind of the plot of Doctor Strange. He does it. Spoilers. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, so what did you think about Doctor Strange? Well, I'll, I'll give you what my, my first impressions of as the credits were rolling. I felt kind of like, meh. Um, just kind of a in-between on things. Um, but given time to kind of gestate, um, I think it's, I think it's a solid Marvel movie. I think it hits, it hits all the tropes that they put out. Um, but I've, I've got some things about it that I just don't like. Okay. Um, I felt the intro of Stephen Strange as the doctor was extremely truncated mm-hmm. to the point of, you know, it's just like, he's a douche, let's move on. Broke his uh-huh. hands, da, da, da. I felt like, because a lot of people are comparing this to Iron Man 1. Yes. It's got a similar setup. And what Iron Man 1 did, this movie didn't, is it gave us time to see what this guy's character really is. It gave us several scenes of that. Mm-hmm. Stephen Strange, I feel like there's maybe one or two, but not even two, maybe one scene where like, okay, this guy's a schmuck. Mm-hmm. And then he breaks his hands. And then you kind of see he's just trying to fix it, but you don't really get his motivation. So I felt... For me, it felt truncated. It felt like, okay, I don't, I don't get this guy. I don't, and the reason I'm nitpicking about that is because the redemption scene, for me, loses its impact if you don't see where a person came from. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like they fully fleshed out, you know, how rotten of a person he was. It could just be I'm being nitpicky. I'm totally willing to concede that. But to me, 
the beginning felt a little truncated. Um, I also didn't like, did not like the excessive humor in it. Like to me, this that's movie, a big complaint that a lot of people have been having. I felt like it felt like overcompensation to me. Like I felt like this is the movie out of all the Marvel movies that I felt should have a more serious tone. Like you can have some lighthearted stuff happen in it, but like he's throwing jokes out left and right. He just felt very snarky. Hmm. I just felt like that was the wrong tone for me. Like this is about deep mystical fighting off demons, fighting off all these things. And they made him more like a Tony Stark character. And I don't think that's even true to the comic book character mm-hmm. in his personality. Like, he's a very stoic, kind of quiet man. But in this, he just quips every left and right and jokes out the yin-yang. Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, beyond that, I, I thought the special effects were really cool. I oh thought the I thought the premise was interesting. The bad guy, to me, was generic. Mm-hmm. You know... And like all Marvel movies so far, it's just kind of a throwaway guy. Um, I like the guy that played him. I think he's a really good actor, and I thought he did good with what he was given. But he doesn't get a whole lot of screen time for us to really care about why. Mm-hmm. He's a bad guy. It's like, oh, he's a bad guy. He's doing bad guy things. Stop him, strange. You know? Yeah. It just, it just felt kind of middle of the road there. Um, I did like any scene with strange and the ancient one tilda swinton i thought was really good she rules in this movie she was amazing like the opening scene with her like i was stoked i was on board yeah Uh, that that opening scene where the guy cuts the guy's head off and and they run away and and chase after the pages of the book like i was down uh like the scene where again spoilers ancient one dies Mm. and then the scene where they're in their astral projections looking out the window Mm -hmm. and the whole line about you know you think i've had all this time i would have been prepared but i don't all i want to do is see the snowfall and just like that i was like that's good stuff yeah that that was well done but there's not enough of that to make me go oh this is a top 10 yeah it's good i'll i'll end up buying it just because I, i like the cinematic universe and i'll watch it again but to me, it was just okay. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the best that Marvel was to come out with. It also felt rushed. Okay. If that makes sense. I know I'm going. I'm all over the map in what I think, <laughs> but it felt just very rushed. And I don't know. What What, what were your thoughts on uh, it? Um, it's weird because I think we liked it maybe the same amount, but for different reasons. Because mm-hmm. I actually kind of disagree with almost everything you said. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. But I think it's, I still have my own reasons for why it was just kind of okay. Okay. Um, I do think it was just kind of okay. Uh, I actually really liked all the douchebaggery setup scenes because I was not down with this guy immediately. Mm. Like, even, even Tony Stark is like a charming D bag. Mm-hmm. This guy, when he does his little quips and his quotes and stuff, like, you feel, he, he, it feels like he's above you or he thinks he's above you and he's just like, really crappy Mm. immediately um and so i was like i don't know if i'm gonna come around to this dude because like this guy's an a-hole like he's Mm. the worst Mm. um especially in that scene where this is after he breaks his hands but it's the scene where rachel mcadams comes up to him and 
is like look like you can't be a doctor anymore and he she's like you know it's time to replace that with something else and he's like like what you and he's like really he puts some stank on it yeah um and it's so it was so he sold it i was like that hurt me <laughs> uh i really like that scene i thought i thought benedict cumberbatch was great in this movie i think he's yes. a, an incredible doctor strange um and i thought he played that portion of it really well what i liked I, I guess I get the complaint about the humor. I didn't have that complaint. I think I liked it because Cumberbatch had a personality, which I'm not used to. Um, <laughs> it kind of like it filled him in a little bit, I felt yeah. like. I do understand some of them were kind of out of out of place. Like the Mr. Doctor thing was super weird. Yeah. Um, especially because the implication is that all these people were at one point normal, unassuming, mortal beings that were trained in the ways of these magic of this magic and it kind of comes off as like that guy has never heard mr doctor like has never heard the terms mr doctor. or doctor before yeah um and it didn't like it didn't really drive with the mythology they were setting up yeah and so i thought that was weird uh but other than that there weren't too many jokes uh that i i wasn't on board with um i loved his cape i thought his cape was sweet yeah uh i was like uh hey marvel Hey DC, uh, there's a cape that's a better character than anyone in Suicide Squad. So <laughs> maybe take some notes, you guys. Disagree, but all right. <laughs> uh, and um, <laughs> you think so little of that movie. So you little freaking think a cape is better? Oh wow, we're okay. I'm gonna get sad here. Move on. Um, I thought tilda swinton was the best she's she so it. great in this movie i tend to like her anyway but this was she's amazing and the way she introduces strange into the multiverse where she's like just kind of like playing with him and having fun confusing him because she's like she's just having fun knocking this dude down a few pegs and yeah. you can't help but root for her because this is a dude that absolutely deserves to be knocked down a few pegs yeah. um and that multiverse freakout scene that they give him is great. It's one of my favorite sequences in any Marvel movie. It's so, so goofy and weird and esoteric and psychedelic. And I loved it. I loved when his hands turned into tiny, when his fingers turned into tiny arms with oh, more hands on them. Creepy. And they kept spreading more and more tiny baby hands. I thought that was great. I hate when people do eyeball stuff, but I thought it was great when he like, went inside his own eyeball. when he went inside his own eyeball and like hung on oh man i thought that was so cool yeah. I, I i loved those scenes um i loved a lot of the action sequences uh they're not particularly well shot yeah. but they are well uh they're really clever um i think they do some really cool stuff with the multi-dimensional stuff i think they nailed all the multi-dimensional aspects of it i really like the scene that was basically like ghost fight when he's dying oh, yeah, and Rachel yeah. McAdams is trying to save him and the two spirits are going Shot at it. Me again. Yeah. And she can't see what's going on, but there's this whole action sequence going on around her. I thought that was so great. I yeah. thought that was really good. I thought Rachel McAdams was great in the movie. Um, I thought Chiwetel Giafor was great. He's usually great. Um, and I really, really, really liked his post credit sequence. See, I missed that. What? I missed it. I was a bad <laughs> Marvel fan. I stayed for the Thor Strange mm -hmm. scene, 
Uh, but then we got up and left because I just wasn't thinking. There's uh-huh. a quote. But I, I will say this as well. I did like the setup of Strange and Mordo. Because mm-hmm. in the comics, it's protagonist-antagonist. Yes. Like, I like that setup. I'm, that makes me really excited for... So did you look it up? Look it up. The scene? Yeah. No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, okay. So, so I'm go gonna, ahead I'm and spoil it. Go yeah, for yeah. it. So his post-credit scene... The movie ends with uh, Mordo kind of having his world shattered a little bit because he realizes that the Ancient One was drawing off of dark magic to keep herself alive. And he didn't think that was right. He's an idealist, right? He believed that. He's kind of like a lawful good that turns into a chaotic Chaotic neutral. Chaotic neutral, something like that. Um, D&D terms, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he has his, like, his little naive idealism shattered by the ancient one and it kind of breaks him because he really looks up to her um and so the movie ends with him walking away from uh, everything yeah from from the 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 i guess kind of monastery that they're a part of and just kind of becoming a wanderer um a vagrant of sorts mm-hmm. uh, to kind of go and figure his own self out he goes on a, i guess a little bit of a vision quest if you will and the post credit scene shows him go to the guy whose back got broken, mm-hmm. who told Strange where to go, uh, who's played by Benjamin Bratt, which I was glad because I was like, what the hell is Benjamin Bratt doing in this movie? One note character? Okay. Yeah. Um, and he goes and Mordo goes up to him and he realizes that this guy's been leeching magic to help himself walk. And so Mordo kind of does this reverse leech. He blocks him from using the magic and re-cripples the guy. Oh my gosh. And he says, I figured out the problem with all this. There's too many sorcerers. And then it cuts to black. And I was like, yes. So he's going to go on a sorcerer killing. Yeah. Oh, I am down. Like this anti-hero, so. vigilante, misguided justice of going and killing all the sorcerers who he believes He's being judge, jury, and executioner for these people who he believes are misusing magic. Mm. Um, and I love that. I think that's so cool, and I hope they don't botch it. I think Marvel is is uh, correcting a lot on the villain front, um, even though Matt Mickelson isn't great in this movie. Yeah. Um, I think that, that between um, Loki and Zemo and now Mordo, we've got three interesting villains that we can explore. And that scene is dark as crap it's it's the one of the darkest things i've ever seen in a marvel movie and it's great i wonder if they're setting up um from the avengers comic the masters of evil because baron zemo if i'm if i'm correct i'm comic book nerds correct me if i'm wrong if i'm right baron zemo is the leader of the masters of evil and it's like the anti-avengers squad i wonder if they're because zemo's still alive Mordo's still alive, uh, Loki's still alive, but he mm-hmm. wasn't part of it before. But I wonder if that's going to be a setup for a future thing. Maybe. Because that would be freaking off the chain. Yeah, that would be great. Um, but yeah, the the and, and Chiwetel's a great actor, so he just like sells that moment. And yeah. He's really good in it. Um, one of the other things, it's a little bit of a light movie, and that's why I think it's kind of just okay. The story as a whole isn't that good. Mm. it's fine it's really thin um 
It feels it feels like someone's giving me the cliff notes of a Doctor, Doctor Strange, Strange rather than showing me a Doctor Strange. Yeah. What do you think of the end where he the the sac the part of talking about the redemption scene? His final fight with yeah, Dormammu. Yeah, I want to talk going, about that. Going from a selfish person to yeah. So he, you know, he they end up showing up in Hong Kong and realizing that um, Mads Mikkelsen's character has summoned Dormammu and he's starting to come into our world and uh, swallow it whole, basically. And so strange reverses time uh which leads to a really sweet action sequence where everything around them is going backwards in time but they're fighting in real time and i Mm -hmm. thought that was sweet Mm -hmm. um and he realizes that if he can trap dormammu because dormammu is like he's uh i don't know if there's a i don't know what his official title is but he's he's like the lord of time not to be confused with a time lord He's a demon, technically. Oh, okay. He, so he's a demon that plays with time, though. So time yeah. is very important to him. But he lives in this the dark uh, dimension. Anti, the dark dimension. Yeah. Dark uh, dimension. He lives in the dark dimension where time doesn't exist. And so Dormammu is this demon who loves time, but time exists in a timeless area. And Strange locks him in a time loop. And that's how he eventually defeats him, is he just dies over and he gets killed by dormammu over and over again but strange has this magic that can manipulate time and so he realizes if i just keep rewinding and keep rewinding and keep rewinding i'm gonna catch him in this loop and he's not gonna be able to do anything else yeah and so that's kind of how he defeats the villain um i didn't like that when i first saw it Hmm. And then I slept on the movie. I watched it really late at night. Um, I went to a 12.15 a.m. showing, so the the old brain engine wasn't firing on all, all cylinders. So I woke up having slept on it, and I liked it quite a bit more. Because time is a major factor in the movie. Mm. It's a major theme in the movie. Um, you know, and right out the gate, one of the major themes is, what are you going to do with the time you've been given? Because even though you don't die you could be in a position where you would have to stop doing your calling or your life's work or whatever, you know, his life's work was this neurosurgery and this research that he was doing that was going to potentially save millions of lives on this like bleeding edge, like experimental stuff. And he ruins his hands in this car accident and yeah, he hasn't died, but he may as well have from his perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's this broken watch. That's a symbol that keeps coming back up. That's a gift from Rachel McAdams character to him. Uh, I believe. And, you know, the whole thing is him with his shaking hands, taking the watch and looking at the broken watch and realizing, you know, what is time now? Like, I I don't know. I don't have I don't have a concept of what time really is, because as far as I knew, my time was doing this research, completing this research and retiring. Mm-hmm. And now that's been thrown out the window and I don't know what to do. My life has been upset. Um, and so the ultimate like the the resolution is him taking control of that again figuring out what time is to him now what he is meant to do with the rest of his time and so he figures this out and goes and and does this with dormammu and so i think it works really well thematically i'm not sure how well executed it is to get all that across yeah that's the other thing is like I kind of want to see it again because I don't know if that's just me reading into all that too much or if they've set it up very subtly. Because I mm. think 
it could be that. I think it could be. I think this movie could be one of the most subtle Marvel movies ever mm. because there are certain moments where characters interact, and I felt like there's something beneath the surface of this, yeah. and I didn't necessarily pick up on that. Mm. And I think that might be where the the um, schism is existing between people who didn't like the humor but really like the serious moments. The serious moments are much more serious. It feels. It's a very adult-feeling Marvel movie in terms of... I mean, there's nothing graphic in it, yeah. really, at all, but it just it's feels... It's a serious subject Yeah, matter. like, the subject matter feels very mature. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, the I think a good setup for what you're talking about is the scene where you see him and his hands are all jacked up. Mm-hmm. That's a terrifying, horrifying scene because yeah. it's done for, like, the prosthetics they put on him. We're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. like, he's jacked. Like, what happened to him is... Ugh. Yeah. Um, so what what did you think about the way he he eventually bested Dormammu? I thought that to me was to me it was his redemption, but it was also for me a little bit of redemption in the movie, which makes me like it in in the end. Um, because even though I didn't think it was very well executed, I saw what they were doing. Yeah, exactly. I, I see the you know this man who's extremely selfish does something extremely selfless. I. Th- think it could have been done better mm-hmm. like not that what what the plot how, not that how the plot played out was bad but it felt very rushed mm-hmm. and like i didn't feel like you get a whole lot of time for him there was not oh man i can't talk they didn't give a whole lot of time for him to realize what this decision meant like mm-hmm. it felt like oh it was already doing, doing it like you don't get time to breathe to be to see the realization of i'm gonna be dying for eternity for these people yeah but it's worth like you don't get that moment it's yeah. just kind of rushed right into yeah oh, i'm doing it and so to me that you had a you had a you had an opportunity to have a emotional punch it didn't have to be very long just like this moment of realization and then you know what happens and we kind of got robbed of that and yeah and i wish that i wish that was in there because to me it would have made the scene more impactful like you would have felt it more instead of just what turned out to be kind of like a comedy bit. Hi, dead. Hi, dead. Yeah. Hi, dead. It's like, what are you, Tom Cruise? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I I didn't like this at the time, and I appreciated it more. I liked that it wasn't this big balls out action sequence. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was. It was. It was a character moment between two characters. Granted, one of those characters we didn't spend a lot of time with, so I didn't really give a crap about him. It was really weird. Too. <laughs> yeah, uh, Benedict did the uh, he did the uh, the mocap for him. Oh, he did. Mm-hmm. did he he did the, the voice too. too. He did. It sounded familiar. Yeah, they blended him with another actor, but it was mostly him. Okay. Um. Yeah. So the the thing is, I didn't. I don't think they do a good enough job selling you on it. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, you can see the idea of what they're going for, and I like that. But yeah. I think it's still a net loss in that. You didn't. You, you got the gist of it across, and I was able to fill in the blanks. But you need to be able to fill in those blanks for me. I'm not saying spoon feed me, but also give me enough information to not have to get to that conclusion on my own. Like yeah. you should be affecting the emotions in me rather than me going, okay, this is what it is. This is how I should react emotionally. Yeah. Um. But I. I mean, it's a decent movie. There's mm. some really clever, fun stuff in it. There's some really goofy like hilarious psychedelia yeah. and i like that i did like the end scene where wong laughs finally oh yeah i thought that was worthwhile like that's yeah. that's a joke i'm i'm all get behind yeah um 
Yeah, I, I mean, what? So, do you recommend seeing Doctor Strange? Oh, I absolutely, I absolutely recommend. It. I mean, any of my nitpicking again, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, it's just my thoughts into it. Uh, if you if you didn't understand any of my stuff, if you're like, does he like the movie? Does he not? Let me be very emphatic. I did like the movie. I just have some problems with it, mm -hmm. and it's not my favorite. And I I still feel meh, but I did like the movie, and I would recommend seeing it. It's a fun movie. It's a it's a fairly decent movie. I my thoughts are very weird and confusing, aren't they? No, I mean I'm right there with you. Yeah. I I 100 agree. It's definitely worthwhile. Um, like I said, the the psychedelia and the extra dimensional stuff are great. They're so well done. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of got a thin story. The characters are all great. The performers mm -hmm. are all really great in those characters. They slip into the skin of those characters so naturally. Yeah. All of them do, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's it is a lesser of the Marvel movies, which is a bummer because they're usually pretty top tier. Yeah. Um, but I still think it's better than maybe Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> yeah, definitely, I would say that. Um, or Iron Man Two, for that matter. Um, I like Iron Man Two, but I guess I also like Suicide Squad. <laughs> I don't know how much my opinion matters on this podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, the cape, the cape is sweet. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, I definitely think it's worth seeing. There's a great moment where uh he throws some ancient badass armor onto the bad guy or like in handcuffs I, yeah, yeah some yeah. fancy mystical handcuffs and those things were sweet those things are pretty dope yep it takes like way too long to imprison him but i was like i'm down <laughs> I, I, I pick up what you're what you're putting down yeah uh yeah i i go recommend go see it i yeah, recommend go see it, it. Um, it yeah do you have any other thoughts on dr strange uh no just uh it's worth a watch uh, it's worth it to to see Benedict and Tilda Swinton alone. Yeah, I Just agree. Their interactions, their acting is, oh, it's so good. Yeah, so, they're yeah. great. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. Uh, you can email the show, before and after show at gmail.com. You can find us on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Beyond Pod if you're an Android user. You can find myself and Michael Moray doing a weekly uh, YouTube show over on YouTube. Just search the Before and After Show and we'll pop up. This week we're talking about the latest film from Mel Gibson, Hacksaw Ridge, and our final thoughts on that. Um, you can find everything we do at thatrealperspective.blogspot.com. Um, we post all the episodes there. We post all the YouTube stuff there. We have a video game YouTube show that's great, uh, hosted by Corey Tindall called Game Space. That's over on YouTube. That's over on the blog. Go check all that out. You can find my writing at wordofthenerd.com. I'm a staff writer over there, and I write, uh, everything over there. So, yeah, you can go check that out. And, uh, until next time. Uh, go to Universal Studios. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch! <laughs>